Praise the Lord. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. My name is Pastor Edwin. I am here uh, to your four discipled ministries. Thank you for touching base with us, tuning in, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, I have a devotion here that has to do with Satan tempting Jesus, but as how Satan also tempts us us and not in a way that we're thinking that satan tests us or tempts us i want to say um of the certain activities that he wants us to do but the things that he wants us to come against god is that type of temptation that is slicker uh, um more conniving uh, uh and also the very very deceiving where you think it's from god okay so those type of temptations we're going to talk about but we're going to go through uh matthews chapter four if you want to turn to that um i'm going to go through that now then we're going to speak about a little concordance as well and uh, um a little bit of, of commentary on that subject as well so that way we get a clear thought of what it is that we're reading and what it is that I'm trying to explain what God had put in my heart today. Uh, a good friend of mine today was helping me with something, and she uh, was testifying to me. Hallelujah. Praise God for testimonies. See, because through the testimonies of other people of what God has done in their lives, it encourages and uplifts and confirms things in our lives. And true believers who search search god's holy word who seek him out in prayer and and waiting humbly waiting and going through the things as she called it in the wilderness yes so um and she mentioned this uh matthew's chapter four to me also about jesus so i gained a message from that through her testimony hallelujah thank you jesus and and through the words that god was helping putting in her mind to talk to me and testify about what god has done in her life when she was in the wilderness i want to share now a little something that the lord brought to my heart okay so real quick let's open in prayer um uh, if you guys are already at Matthews 4, if you're not, hold on a second. Let's open up in prayer and get down into this holy word. Father, thank you for today. I come to you with an open heart, humbly asking you for your presence, Lord, to be with us, to the, all those that are listening in right now, Lord, for you are glorious and great, Father. And without the testimonies of the things that you have done great, Lord, how could we have faith? Your testimony builds faith in us, Lord. And we end up trusting you and we end up trusting you and we end up having more faith in you. And the more faith we have in you, Lord, the more we trust you and believe in you, Father God, for you're glorious in all the things that you've done. Holy Spirit, I pray that uh, you anoint us with your presence as well, Lord, that we have no interruptions as we receive this whole Holy word. Let it be the absolute truth of God coming from the scriptures. I pray to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, tune in right now. Uh, Matthew's chapter 4. I'm going to read it out real quick here. And it says that Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, this didn't happen just out of nowhere. Okay, let me back up a second because what happened is that Jesus came from Galilee to John, John the Baptist, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you are, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. 
when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Now imagine those things in the spiritual world that we cannot see with our fleshly eyes, that every time we are baptized, uh, we, we get baptized and we accept Jesus Christ, how this occurs when we go into the depths of the water and die of our sins and, and, and are reborn again by accepting Jesus Christ into our lives, that we get baptized by the Holy Spirit. And in the spiritual world, I like to see that in the realm is exactly this moment right here that we see like a dove alighting upon him upon us right and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son and whom i am well pleased and of course we know he's speaking about jesus christ the christ the messiah god's only son right but imagine what he says when in the spirit realm that all the angels, all those in that realm can hear Father God saying every time someone here in the world gets baptized or accept, yeah, baptized with the Holy Spirit by accepting Jesus Christ. Not just water baptismal, but the, uh, uh, the beginning in the heart saying yes to Jesus. So now that we see why Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness or the next step was him being led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. See, and here it's important that you see this because after he has fasted and his body's weakened and he's losing strength and he's much easier to be tempted, the devil thought anyway. But a lot of us, we face this. You feel you've gone through your storm. You've been in the wilderness. You've been going through these things and you feel tired. You feel like turning away. You feel like throwing in the towel and saying, that's it. I've done all I can done. I can't do no more. You know, it's the same thing as you get beat down so much. All right, I stands what I could stand and I can't stand no more. You know, but God gives us the power through his Holy Spirit for us not to give in. Because even if we think it still, the one that's in us is greater than the one that's in the world and, and, and empowers us to keep pushing forward, okay? And here, after you're weakened by this, that's when the, the, the tempter uh, will come even stronger. Exactly how he did to Jesus. See, because Jesus, I was reminded that Jesus was a man, right, at this time. And that flesh here, okay, that flesh was weakened, okay? So now in verse 3, now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And the same thing could happen to each and every one of us when Satan comes to us and says, If you're a child of God, then how come he's not answering your prayers? Listen to that. If you're a child of God, how come he's not answering your prayers right now? Ask, ask him for anything and you'll receive it. Uh, he says, if you ask for anything, receive it, because he'll throw scripture at you, he'll throw things that were quoted, right? Okay, so it's the same thing now when he says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, I command these stones to become bread. He's commanding to see power. He's commanding to see his authority, you know, in, in that power. So the same thing he would do to us, because what we received from Jesus Christ was that same power power that same authority to use that power as we draw near we gain strength but we have to have faith in that right in order for it to be so have to have faith in that so what he does is he breaks down tries to break down our faith 
So we don't use that. We don't come with authority. We don't come boldly to the throne uh, 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 with our request to the Father, right? And listen here in verse 4. But he answered and said, oh, sorry. Yeah, but he answered and said, Jesus said to him, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And for each and every one of us, we cannot do things by just talking about it here, talking about it there, listening to people here, listening to people there. You know, we need to go into the Holy Scriptures and breathe it in through our nostrils. Take it in. You know, and, and digest this word and read it for what it is. If you're stuck on something, go to the Word. It's in there. It's going to find you. It's going to give you what exactly you need, see? Because, again, this is God's absolute truth. We're His children. We believe that and trust in Him. And this is where we go to receive that. When Jesus told the devil, He told Satan, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And where is that at? In the Bible, is God breathed, right? Holy Spirit breathed. This is Jesus Christ's word, God's word. This is where we find direction. This is where we find our healing. This is where we find our strength and our faith builds up confidence in Jesus Christ within these pages as you turn them left and right. That's why, okay, I don't mind and I'm not mocking the phone or, or tabs or anyone using that. But what's wrong with changing over the pages? Because eventually somebody's going to change the uh, uh, the Bible uh, apps uh, add things, change things, and if you're not a scholar, or I'm sorry, not a scholar, but if you're not aware of these things, a true believer that's constantly in the Word, a person that lives this testimony, all right, through their lives, then you won't notice what that you're reading something wrong and start believing in the wrong things, and therefore be misdirected, okay, and be tempted into things, into believing things that are not true of God. In verse 4, what do you say? It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to Jesus, said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. You see what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's the same thing that happens to us. He says, If you're a child of God, then God will come save you, hurt yourself. Go have a drink. Go smoke some of this. Go do some of that. Ah, it's okay. Go look at this. He's not answering you. But if you are a son of God, he's going to let you know he's going to come to your to your, uh, 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 to your aid and pull you out. If you are a child of God, therefore then you can do all these things. He's trying to tempt us. He, as he tempted, tried to tempt Jesus. And he was tempting. He was tempting. That's what he was doing. He was throwing things out there that if your heart was weakened, if you were not in the word, then you would fall into that same temptation and separate yourself from God. Because that's his ultimate plan, isn't it? To separate you from God. It's almost like uh, uh, he's baiting you away from God from his care, from his cover, pulling you away so that way he can get you right where he wants you, right? But if we remain there, we remain in that covering, we know that we will, we will overcome anything that he tries to throw at us. The devil took him up into the holy city. So he took him into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Look at that. 
and showed him, look how where I'm at. I'm on top of your, your the temple. Uh, I'm on top of the temple. What temple is he talking about? He's talking about the temple of God. He was he brought Jesus up there and showed him things and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, unless you dash your foot against the stone. But look, Jesus turned around and said to him, Exactly, we need to learn from Jesus here. And Jesus said to him, It is written again. In the word of God, again, he's directing us. When you're tempted with these things, go to the word of God. And it says, it is written, again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. Imagine that. See? This is where we get tempted by people that come to us and say, hey, I got a plan for you to do. I got a big job for you to go do. It's going to take you all the way over here and this and this and that. And you can have all these things and you can have this and you can have that and you can do this and you can go there. And these people be with you and you have all these things that you do not have right now in your hands that you do not have in front of you right now because you're going through something. You're standing in the wilderness. You've been 40, 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying to God to give you answer and these this tempter now sees that you're weakened you're 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 starting to weaken up right because after a while you got to be honest with yourself after a while you start to think it you start to think like a man you start to think like a woman you start to think like the creation and you start thinking to yourself oh can i really do this is this really for me Am I really hearing or seeing what God is really showing me and telling me? Oh, which way do I go? What direction do I take? Do I just sit here and do nothing? And, and, and hopefully he'll, his hands will come down from the heavens and, and move things out of my way. Oh, what shall I do? Should I sit here and wait? Humbling myself. The Bible says I should humble myself. Let me humble myself and stay here a little longer and, and ask no one. But then I'll be prideful. You see, and all these things will run through your mind. And the devil's sitting there rubbing his hands together thinking, I got her. I got him exactly where I want him. I'm about to hit him right now. But you know what? When we're leaning on God, when we're leaning not on our understanding to gain clarity, when we lean on God's understanding and his holy word for the direction and the commands of Jesus... It is written what we should do, okay? You should not tempt your God. The, tempt the Lord your God. We should not tempt him with these questions and, 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 and allow ourselves to believe that it's of God and making, trying to make deals with him. How many of you have tried to, oh, if I do this, Lord, please bless me with that. Uh, I want to get out of this jam. Are you going to pull me out of this? And, and, and the questions are always there. Now, look, verse 9. And he said to him, Satan says to Jesus, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. See, now, and this, he's not asking us to fall down and worship him. 
sort of in, in those exact words he's not saying it but he is when he starts to bring things into our minds that we start to look for self-preservation we start to turn away from the lord and looking for our own way to correct things our own way to do things without standing firm on what we believe and trust and that is the father the son and the holy spirit that his promises his word will not be void where he said he promised things to you you better believe it's going to happen not when you want it but it's gonna happen and you need to stand firm no matter what anybody says you can have friends family uh, even your spouses anyone in your home anyone can come to you and start to create create a division within your mind of the things that god has shown you put in your heart and the things that are man's understanding and you start thinking like a man or a woman and and and, and you you know and People tell you, well, you got to look at reality, the reality. Reality? What is your reality if it's not of God? It is a man's reality that if I'm trusting God, that I'm trusting in his reality. I'm trusting in what he's going to bring forth. I'm trusting in the power that he has as I sit in a covenant with him, knowing that I am the weaker vessel, knowing that I am just his creation. He is my God, the almighty God, that he can do anything. He can turn off the lights in this world. He can take your life at, at a blink of an eye or just a word or just thinking about it, anything. He has that power to do these things. So why would you allow division in your heart to take you from that reality of God and try and think reality of a man? Because that's what the world does, see? We see where it's going today because of that. We see the things that are happening through the government because of that, through the churches, through the school systems, through the families, through the communities. It's just going right down the line. Exactly how it was told to us 2,000 years ago, written down, said this is what's going to happen. And here, simply Jesus is telling him in verse 10, Away with you. Away with you, Satan. For it is written. Again, he reminds him, it is written. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's reminding us. Remember the written word of God. It's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Him you shall serve. Worship the Lord. No, we're not going to go into programs and try and find loans and do all these things without God showing us that path. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not saying it's, you know, you shouldn't plan. It's okay to plan. God wants us to plan things out, but to bring him into those plans, bring him into those thoughts of doing things that are going to glorify him. Uh, you know, if you're going to get a car, it's not going to give you a fancy Lamborghini so you can show off and boast with it. Hey, hey, hey look at my car. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know? No, he's going to give you a car that you can use to go from point A to point B because in point A you're glorifying him and from point A to B you're glorifying him and when you're at point B you're glorifying him too. That is what God wants us to glory. Your heart and your mind. He wants your soul all in this to glorify him, to praise him. So there we push away. We push away that self-preservation. And we stand on God's reality recognizing that we need to push Satan away. And we do this by going into the Holy Word. Because it is written. It is written. Draw near to God and the devil will flee. It is written. Right? The one inside of you is stronger than the one in the world. It is written. Jesus says to him, 
Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And every day we face something. This is what we need to do. Worship and serve the Lord. No matter what, worship and serve the Lord. You got a last dollar? Give it if someone needs it. Worship and serve the Lord. Then the devil left him in verse 11. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. And this is what I say. That is the blessing right there that arrives. That is the promise, the blessing right there. The, the, the ministering of angels that came to him, the ministering to him, okay? The devil left him and ministry from angels came to him. That is the realm that I was talking about, right? The realm that uh, uh, we cannot see with our fleshly eyes. And here now Jesus teaches us that if we continue to hold on through our wilderness and we fight and come against that, okay? And, and we tell Satan, back up. No, I'm not going to do that. And stay in the Holy Word and pray and worship to him. And don't use our own understanding. But And don't think about our reality and, and our rights as human beings and men and women. But the reality and the rights that God has given us to be called children of God, the righteousness of God, that when we walk, we walk according to that with confidence, with confidence that you got pep in your walk and people look at you and say, I want that right there. I want that right there. And when you ask them, what is it that you want? I want that confidence in, right there. Well, you know what? You ain't going to find it in me or in her or anybody else. You're going to find it in God. You're going to find in the absolute truth of God, you're going to find that confidence. And that's how you're going to walk. And it's going to drive people around you crazy because they don't have that. And they're looking around thinking, hoping that you're, you're supposed to be falling apart right now. You're supposed to be going through, through the, 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 the channels and looking and reaching out for self-preservation. You're supposed to be looking like all those that don't trust in God, you see. And when you don't show that, it draws question. But still you go through it, it draws question. Hey man, not all, not everyone is like that, okay? Not everyone is like that. Not everyone sees things for the way they want to see it. They see what God is showing them, okay? They do. The first thing to notice about the temptation of Jesus in Matthew is that it was God's idea. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This tells us God was not on the defense in this matter. He wasn't on the defensive part on this matter, okay? He was uh, on the offensive, demonstrating the superiority of his son over Satan. And the same thing that he does for us, he will show his super, our superiority of, of, of his children over Satan. See, because once we receive Jesus Christ in us, we are heirs, right? With Christ to the throne. We, we have that. The principalities will come at us with everything they got because they want to distort our minds. They want to uh, uh, create, create our own understanding and, and divide, divide us, divert us away from God, like I said. In fact, this is why God allows us to be tempted by the devil so he can demonstrate the superiority of Jesus Christ. God created humanity uh, uh, constitutionally, how lower than the angels, including fallen angels like the devil, to show what he could do with less when that less is committed to him. You see? Now when that less can do it, when that less has talents, when that less has the ability. No, 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 no. 
Not when he's got gifts or anything like that, but it says that when we, we talk about Jesus here, we're, we're looking at the lower, that we're lower than the angels, but to be committed to God, to committed to him, then he could with more, when that more is in rebellion to him. Temptation then provides you an opportunity to validate this truth, okay? The one who is with you is greater than one who is in the world. I mentioned that. Why did God test? That's First John 4, 4. And why did God test his son this way? The Bible describes Jesus as the second Adam or the last Adam. The first Adam was tested in the garden, gave in to Satan. He gave in to him. Did he or did he not? He gave in to him. In fact, he didn't even fight. He didn't fight for her. He didn't fight for anything. He stood there and just watched everything happen. You know? And he's like, oh, okay. He should have ran off to Father God. Father, Father, there's a serpent speaking to Eve. He didn't do that now, did he? He stood there and watched it because it said that she ate and gave to her to Adam, to her husband that was there with her. So he was there with her when she went through the whole thing. They had that conversation. Maybe he was stuck on stupid. I don't know. But it says in scripture that Adam was tested in the garden and gave in to Satan. And, and got the human race kicked into the wilderness. And here we stand spiritually in the wilderness. We go through these things. Because of that, the second Adam went into the wilderness to defeat Satan. So that he can escort us back to the garden. To escort us back to the garden. Isn't that wonderful? But how do we get to garden if we start receiving, falling into temptation and, and not seeking Christ, not drawing near to God? And drawing near to God, it's like um, your hedges are all around you, are growing, uh, uh, they're wild, you know, you got bushes and ivy all around your house. How can you look out your windows if all that ivy is covering your house? Who do you call? You call a landscaper or you call somebody that specializes in getting rid of these weeds and everything. And for us, believers in Jesus Christ, we call on the Lord and he comes and removes these things that are covering our sight from seeing how he is escorting us back to that garden. And here we, because we're standing in the wilderness, we will, each of us will go in through this wilderness, we'll go through the fire, we'll go through the water and then the fire again and we'll continue being refined and then left in the wilderness to, to be tempted to see, huh? To, to prove to Satan, no, this is my child. No, this is my child. I have confidence in my child. Uh, if God didn't have confidence in you, he wouldn't put you through it because you would fail. He'd say he'd never put you into something that makes you fail. Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. This is key point right here. Okay, and to fast is to give up a physical craving, uh, uh, to fulfill a greater spiritual need. It involves a switching of priorities. Fasting prioritizes prayer and fellowship with God to feed the spirit. To feed the spirit. You ever hear that before? Let me go feed the spirit real quick. We have to feed our spirit. Because if we don't feed our spirit, it gets upset. It gets angry. It gets weak. It gets down. You know, and nothing happens with our spirit. In rejoicing or reading the word, and you pass by your Bible looking at it, thinking, I should read that. Yeah, you should read that. See, but this happens because we allow it to happen. 
We allow it to happen. We have to fast sometimes and pray so we can feed the spirit. Fasting means let go of the things that you're, that's keeping your attention away from God. That's keeping your focus away. You're in the wilderness right now? Or are you going to stand there in the middle of the desert playing a video game? Or are you going to stand in the middle of the desert just laying back and catching some Z's? Or are you going to try to get out of that desert every time you hear your name being called? Every time you read the word of God, you get a new direction. Or are you just going to sit there in hopes that, you know, someone's going to come in a big, you know, big uh, 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 salvation van or whatever, you know, and pull you out? No! No. It involves a switching of priorities. Okay? After 40 days, Jesus was hungry. Jesus was hungry and ready for a battle. He was now hungry and ready for battle. How does that work? Well, the tempter began by saying, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. This tells us the devil had been watching Jesus go without food. The same way he watches you and I. He's watching you and I go without the spiritual food. He's watching you and I go without spiritual food. Let me say that again. He's going around your house at night, watching you, listening, when you do not read the Bible, when you do not pray to God, when you stay stuck on the things of the world and you don't put your time into His Holy Word, He is watching you. He's watching you not receive spiritual food and He's watching you get weak. He's watching your spirit be down and get weak. He knows that what you're up to, okay, and directs his temptations accordingly. In this situation, Satan questioned the provisions of God. Jesus was hungry. God hadn't fed him. Why shouldn't Jesus make just make what he was what was needed? He could have done it, right? Why didn't he just do it? How did Jesus respond? By quoting scripture. It is written. If Jesus, the living word, needed to use the written word to deal with the enemy of the word, how much more do you? He gave you the Bible so you could wield it like a sword. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In this passage, Moses explained to Israel how they survived through the wilderness by God's provision, not by their own. When he started acting acting up and acting crazy and against God, what happened? They spent more time out in the wilderness. More time out there. But when they stopped and they drew near and started to understand what Moses was trying to teach them, man, it was already too late. See? They didn't survive merely because of the manna, but because of the one who provided it. Was Jesus hungry? Yes, Jesus was hungry, but he was willing to trust God to provide rather than to act independently of him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the pinnacle of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. He's got some nerve, right? To get on top of God's temple. Hmm? See that? And tells his son, throw yourself down from here. Challenging Jesus to jump to his death. Doesn't sound like much of a a temptation now, does it? But now he's got to challenge him. But notice that he supported his appeal by quoting God's promise of angel uh, angelic protection. And I believe it's in Psalms 91, 11 through 12, Jesus then had an opportunity to demonstrate that he was the Messiah 
for all Jerusalem to see. The problem was that doing so ignored God's plan. You see that? Satan urged Jesus to fulfill God's will for his life in a way that would bypass the cross. Listen to that. Okay, I want you to hear this again, what I'm saying here. Jesus then had an opportunity to demonstrate he was the Messiah for all Jerusalem to see. The problem was that doing so ignored God's plan. Jesus then had an opportunity right there. He was given an opportunity by Satan, all right, to demonstrate who he really is. He had an opportunity to demonstrate he was the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for, praying for, hollering for, shouting for, burning incense, sacrificing animals for, the Messiah to come, crying out to God, the Messiah to come for all Jerusalem to see, not just those in his group, but for all of Jerusalem to see. The problem was that doing that exact thing would ignore God's plan. It was Satan telling him, this is of God. You can glorify God. And this is what he does to each and every one of us. He takes us out of our place and misdirects us so we can look at something that's great that we can do for God, but it's not aligned with God's will. See? Now, at being the Messiah, yes, he wanted to show Jerusalem who he really was. But this would ignore God's plan. Satan urged Jesus to fulfill God's will for his life in a way that would bypass the cross. Bypassing the cross means that sin would continue in the world the way he had it. Satan would still be walking upon on top of it. Where you could see him. You could see uh, uh, demons all over the place. Even though we see a lot of evil right now. But it's because of the principalities. The spiritual realm. That we allow these things to take over in our lives. Oh yes. The devil knows the Bible. And he uses it. He can't convince you. Alright. He can't just convince you to act independently of God. He'll work through your religion. Who work through your belief, who work through your through your faith, but God, but God doesn't need Satan's help to get you where he wants you to go. Never did he need Satan's help to get you where he needs you to go. He'll use him in things, but in this point here is showing us that Jesus went through this, man. He faced it. So what makes it you and I think that we wouldn't face this when we go through trials and tribulations, when we are in the fire in the wilderness all alone, sitting there wondering what's going to happen. See, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6.16, do not test the Lord your God. And, and we, a lot of us are guilty of that, falling into those things and saying, this is of God, it must be of God. You know, you'll know when it's of Him because you'll receive it. Ah, yeah. That's it. You'll receive it. It'll be yours in your hands already in that direction. People tell you, oh, you, you got to sit and wait some more. God wants to bless you. You're going to receive it. You're going to come out. The thing is that we need to see something and learn something here of those things so we can teach it to other people. And what I heard today, a testimony that brought me to this message, I thank God first and then I thank her for being so obedient to the Lord and listening to that, that she was able to testify with a heart. Okay, even knowing that I was a pastor, I'm just that's just a title. I'm Edwin, and she said, Brother, 
Let me testify. Hallelujah. Listen to this. The devil knows the Bible and he uses it. He uses it. Now when Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, in other words, he knew we were never to use be uh, uh, to use disobedience. We are never to use disobedience. Never to use disobedience to back God into a corner in order to force him to fulfill his plan. Yeah. Well, you can take this and do that. And that's part of what I call uh, um, self-preservation. You start to be disobedient, thinking you'll back God into a corner. If he really wants me there, I'm gonna, uh, he'll, he'll put me there because I'm, I'm going to go do this over here. And if he really wants me there, he's going to pull me out of what I'm doing and put me there. I want to say that doesn't happen to everybody, but just a few, a handful, those that are, are meant, that are have a divine, I mean, a divine calling in their life to do something glorious and great because they're brave enough to do it. But there's quite a lot of us that do this very thing and find ourselves in self-preservation. In fact, so deep in self-preservation that we can't even help nobody. We can't even put out of our own pockets of our own time because we think if I don't do the schedule thing that God, that I put here to glorify God, I'm going to fail in something. I'm not doing what God asked me to do. And that's all horse squash. You see, because I was reminded today also that one of the things that God loves is to take care of your neighbor. Love thy neighbor. Was that not a command? Woo! Listen to that. I mean, it was manna from heaven. I was being ministered by angels to my heart and my mind when I heard that God's command, Jesus Christ's command, one of the commands was to love thy neighbor. Are you loving your neighbor? Hallelujah. Let me tell you. You got to ask yourself, am I loving my neighbor. I wish I could love my neighbor more than I have been. I wish I could love my neighbor so much that they tell me, go away already. I'm tired of you helping us. I'm tired of seeing your face. You know, but unfortunately, I'm not there. I was at one point in our lives. My wife and I were there and we did that. We were in their face helping all the time. We we're the ones standing there. I'm not boasting. I'm just saying we follow what God asked us to do. We follow what his son said. He commanded, love thy neighbor. Hmm? Finally, finally the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. Then he quit playing around and got to the bottom line. I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. And that's what it boils down to. Who are you going to worship? Who's your God? You see what I'm saying? People say, well, I believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah, but are you following him? Are you reading the word? You're in the wilderness. You're going through these things. You're, you're facing the gauntlet. Oh, my goodness. Trial after trial. And you're standing there wondering, what, what, what did I do wrong? But it's nothing that you did wrong. It's what you're not doing right now. And that what not doing is digging deep. And even though you dig deep, doesn't mean that you're in a wilderness because God's not answering. It means that he's got something prepared for you and he's showing you something, teaching you to be still, trust in him. What did she say to me today? Let him work. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Let him work. Through that testimony, I heard the words, let him work. Let him work. 
Let him work. Let God move. Let God do the things that he said he's going to do for you. Because he didn't bring you this far to destroy you. He didn't bring you this far to just, oh, well, <laughs> you didn't work out, so I'm going to just kick you to the side. He didn't bring you all the way through the storm to then step off and abandon you. Oh my goodness, listen to that. In the end, Satan wants your worship. He wants you to bow. That's what he got from Adam and Eve in the garden. He figured, hey, that was easy. Who else can I get? And I'm sure he's gathered many, many brothers and sisters, followers that have uh, fallen into this and have bounced back. Some have not bounced back. Those we need to pray for, for sure. But that's what he got from Adam and Eve in the garden. And that's what he seeks from you. He'll make nice offers to get you to do so. But it's never worth the price. Never worth the price. Jesus had finally had enough. Go away, Satan. <clears throat> His absolute authority is on display in this command. Go away, Satan. And we need to stand on that too. Go away, Satan. Not today, Satan. Back up in the name of Jesus. Be gone, Satan. You have no power here. You're wasting your time. For I am the righteousness of God. I stand firm in the holy word of God. It's absolute truth. I serve the almighty God in heaven. His son and the Holy Spirit are with me. Back up, Satan. And this is what we need to do. Is shout to him and tell him to be removed. Like Christ, Christ said here. He displayed his authority when he said, Go away, Satan. Get out. Then Jesus quoted once again from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve him only. Worship is reserved for the one true and living God. If you're a Christian, you have no obligation to the devil. And you have Jesus' uh, delegated authority against Satan. Resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you as he fled from Jesus, as he fled from Christ. James 4, 7, too often we come to worship God on Sunday and then serve lesser agendas and gods the rest of the week. Different gods the rest of the week. And I know you've heard this over and over, but listen to it. Why you keep hearing it? But if Jesus is the ultimate authority in the universe, he deserves your exclusive worship and service. And how did this battle end? How did this battle end? The same way that it can end for you and me. The battle can end the same way for you and me. How did it end? The devil left him. Where did he go? Did he go around the block? No, he left him. And angels came and began to serve him. And that's what you receive is the blessing. Then the blessing comes when you push him away and the devil leaves your side. Now... Now you receive the promise. Now you receive the blessing. This was in the testimony. It was manna from heaven. I was receiving. I got emotional. I didn't express it. But I got emotional about it as I seen these things. And I let her know you gave me word, man. I received a message from that. Hallelujah. God spoke through her to let me know to light that fire. Not to light that fire, but keep that fire going, see? Because sometimes our, our fire wants to go dim and we need the word. We need our brothers and sisters that believe, the true believers, to, to fire us up one another again. That's why I love going into a church where everybody's fired up, just shouting and screaming for the Lord. Fired up. 
doesn't just have to be the pastor. It should be everyone responding to the word that the pastor is bringing forward. And when you have a pastor that's bringing word from fire and brimstone, bringing it from his heart where God had placed that word, there should be applaud to God for using that man in such a way or that woman in such a way. Here it is. The devil left him. And the angels came and began to serve him. Satan is unable to handle a righteous life that consistently confronts him with God's word. The true king has all authority and perfectly obeyed God. And here we are taught to obey God in this same perfection. Not that we're perfect, but the obedience, that same line that Christ teaches us. It's a perfect line. It's a perfect line. And you know, and, and, and you ever see... Uh, a path on the edge of a mountain. It's a path on the edge of a mountain to go up. It's not a perfect path, right? But it's a path that goes all the way up. And all those that walk it are not perfect either. They have uh, uh, um, luggage. They have bags. They have camels. They have horses. They have chariots or carts. Whatever you want to take up that way. You can't take a station wagon, but you know what I mean. So the unsuper had to re. Retreat. The unsuper had to retreat. Satan had to move. He had to go. He had nothing else. He had nothing else for Jesus. And when we stand firm, he's got nothing else for us. And he steps off. He goes away when we tell him, be gone. Go away. Go away. When the fallen angel left, when the fallen angel left, Faithful angels came and fulfilled their rightful role, serving Christ and giving him the worship he deserved. And here, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you before I close right now, receiving what we deserve is not the point. Jesus deserved the glory. Jesus showed us that what we really deserve is hellfire, but what we can receive because of him is something glorious, something great. By giving Jesus the worship that he deserves is key. We need to stay in the Holy Word, cast out Satan from our presence, from around us, from everything. When people you hear a preacher talk about, tell them to get away from your finances, from your home, from your family, from your from your sickness, from your health, from your job, from your car, from your property, from your community. They're not lying. But one simple word. Jesus was tired of it. He had finally had enough. And he said, go away, Satan. So if you find yourself in the wilderness, remember to trust in God. Let him do it. Let him work. Just praise him while you're there. Worship and praise him while you're there and read the absolute truth of God. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, my Lord, for the anointing of your word in my heart and my mind. I pray, Lord, that those that tuned in received in the name of Jesus, that they received in the name of Jesus this holy word that you have provided for me today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that everyone is covered and protected from the enemy's lies and deceits and accusations that come against them, Lord. May we glorify you always and always for your uh, we receive blessings. I bless you, my Lord, my God. God bless you. Thank you, Lord, for the love that you provide through your scripture, your holy word. We pray these things, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, amen. I'll catch you on the rebound.
in Jesus' name, amen.